We welcome you to the Romantic Truth Podcast. The content of this podcast is intended for an adult audience due to the nature of sensitive subject matter and topics. Share the experience of Romantic Truth with friends on Google, CastBox, Spotify, Podcast Addict, Radio Public, Breakers, Apple, or any other podcast platform. Just type in Romantic Truth in the search and subscribe. Now, here is the host of Romantic Truth, Jowson. Hi everyone, it's February 12th, 2022. Now, we're going to continue what we left off yesterday on the podcast talking about rejection. Now, there are a couple of other aspects that come to mind that we have to deal with when we're dealing with rejection. Yes, we talked about some sort of entitlement associated with rejection. Because of where we live in the United States, we have freedoms, and sometimes we overestimate those freedoms. And we look at it from the standpoint that because we want something, and we have the will and the privilege to desire it, that it should be ours. And of course, we have to face the reality. People have their personal preferences. Now, let's first look at the residue of rejection. Being told no. Something you wanted. There are some people that actually have a problem being told no. It could be the young girl or the young boy who have been spoiled all their lives. Parents have capitulated anything they wanted. They gave them their parents. And now they get in a relationship and they want something and cannot get it. And they're having a tantrum about that. They get a partner to silent treatment they act out, they start an argument, things can escalate, they may protest, walk away from the relationship, tell the person they don't love them, blame, shame, and guilt the person into feeling bad because they said no. You find this even with women who may be rejected by men. And then they start blaming them. It's men like you that's causing problems in our community. It's men like you that are selling out, making it harder for black women to find a good man. It's men like you that's probably gay. It's men like you with a little dick. And therefore, You're intimidated by me. These are all arguments these women will use in order to blame the man for not wanting to be with them. You must be gay. They're going to usually go with sexuality first because they feel as though that's the easiest way to hurt a man because it feminizes him and it emasculates him. The next thing, they will say something to the effect of, you ain't about anything anyway. They got to shame him with your broke ass. 
you have nothing anyway to offer. Now, I want you to remember one thing. All these insults are infantile. This is something a kid in a sandbox would tell somebody else. And yet they take it from that context because they have not developed emotionally and still use those same tactics. So, they will come across with insults like these. Oh, you with somebody of another race, you couldn't find somebody of your own. Trying to shame them. Nobody wants you to go short, ugly ass anyway. Shaming. And what this shaming and blaming and guilt does for a person who's been rejected, and a woman in this case, it makes them feel better. That's their relief valve. That's all they have. Now, this would be the same person in the same breath if that person said, well, let's go and see what we could do with a relationship. Then all of a sudden, everything would change. And they'd welcome. And then try to cordon them off from the world. But here's what you have to remember. Men do not like hypocrisy. And something like this, with a woman saying, Okay, I'll deal with them. Guys use this to their advantage. When they capitulate like that and the women will say, yeah, well, I got control, I'm the boss bitch or whatever. No, the reason why he capitulated is because now he has an opportunity not only to be with you, but to hurt you even worse than you hurt him. This is why guys do this. Oh, I loved him, and, and, and I took him in, and he rejected me at first, but he didn't know what he was missing out on, and now that we're together, he does this to me? Of course he's going to do that to you. Because, see, at that point, he feels as though you picked a fight with him. And so the way he's going to fight you back, you demeaned him and called him all these things, he's going to be nice as hell to you so he can stab you right in the heart. That's the way it works emotionally. So don't believe you won a victory after you've berated him and then he comes back to you. And you thinking, yeah, well, you know, I blamed him and shamed him and made him feel guilty and it worked. No. That's a short-lived victory. You know, it's just like when I was in the Marine Corps and we were in... On super squads. And we tried a strategy that worked. And what was that strategy? During the training exercise, we were ambushed. But naturally, what do you do after you're ambushed? You're low on ammunition, low on food. So you're probably going back to a base camp for logistics or you're having logistics flown out to you. But what we chose to do this time around was take half the squad in order to follow the ambushers that broke contact with us and follow them to their camp. Then we got there, we called in reinforcement in this training exercise so that when they went out to try to ambush us again, we hit them right there as soon as they came out of their camp. See, sometimes what you have to do is you have to go with the best strategy that you have at the time. 
Now, here's the problem for a lot of you. The shaming and blaming and guilt. Ladies, I will tell you, that is not a path to success for you. It may make you feel good because you demean this man. You talk about how intimidating you are. You clapping your hands and you talking about your boss bitch and all of this other stuff. Telling the guy to suck your dick and all this other stuff. A dick you don't have, hopefully. Hard to tell these days because you got trans women walking around here looking just like you. And a lot of guys are saying to themselves, I ain't fucking with black women because there's too much of a risk that I might wind up with one that's not a woman. And I'm serious about this. A lot of guys are dating single moms and women of other races because of this in certain cities in the U.S., Atlanta being one of them. But here's the thing I would tell you. That shame, blame, and guilt, throw that shit away. That is the plea of a desperate person. And that is also an invitation for somebody to go and roll that back on you. That guy that you wanted that rejected you. And you go through those stages with him. And he's like, okay, well, let me go ahead and deal with this. He's dealing with this on a basis that he's going to dog your ass out. Because he knows at that point. You're thinking that you're coming from a position of authority, but you're coming from a very submissive position, and he knows this. And being that you are a hypocrite in his eyes, he's going to dog your ass out. I'm telling you. What you have to come to grips with, if the man rejects you, just accept it and move on. As men, we do this all the time. You know, ladies, that guy that you reject... And he's, you know, still trying. And then you reject him again. And he's calling you bitch, hoe, and everything else. He's the kind of guy that if you decided to take him in and change it up. And a lot of you ladies did this to men. And you say, yeah, maybe I was too hard on you. You could bring this guy to your life and wipe your ass with him. And you know you can, because many of you ladies have done it. Many of you ladies have done it. He's speaking from a position of weakness. You know, he's calling you a whole bitch and everything else, because you rejected him. If you said yes and took this man in, you'd make him look like a hypocrite, first of all. He'll be happy to be with you. And then you make your demands. I've seen so many women do this with men. Guys, I'm telling you, these women will give your ass money for your money with this. You better be very careful about using this. Just walk away. When you get rejected, walk away. Take it like a man. Just walk away. Don't sit there and... Mm-mm. Now... Another uh, another thing, too. <laughs> another other thing. I was going to make up a word, wasn't I? Another thing that you have to come to grips with also. With rejection. 
there's also the sense of failure, the sense of worthlessness. And your self-esteem takes a hit. Your personal pride takes a hit. Your ego takes a hit. Now, it's not that men are made out of Teflon because we take more hits than women when it comes down to being rejected. The difference is we don't get attached to you very quickly because we know better. We've been burned too many times before. So, you may start out with a relationship with a guy that you like and you wonder why he's not committing or telling you that he wants to be exclusive with you. He's been bullshitted by other women too many times. And so he's going to take his time before he really shows any emotional interest. Because he knows. He's heard that same song before. And he's got rejected later on down the line in that process. Now, another thing too. Some of you ladies will be would have to deal with a guy like I used to be. I had detachment issues. You may like me at the time. We'd go out on a date, have a wonderful time. And I deliberately would never want to see you again. And the sad thing about it, you could call me up and we'd still talk. I wouldn't change my number. And say, oh, well, why don't we go out next weekend? No, I don't think so. I don't want to see you anymore. Really? What did I do? Oh, you didn't do anything. You were there for the moment. We had a nice time. But I, I really don't need you in my life. That's the way I was. Woman after woman. And at first I used to think that it was some sort of protective measure from the rejection. And then eventually I went to a therapist and said, no. They said, the problem you're having is you honestly don't care. (laughs) And they said, we got to get you to give a damn at least. And then I realized that was more of a sociopathic trait. And then once I found out that seropathy can also include some of the characteristics of a serial killer, I was like, shit, let me get out of this. (laughs) I said, let me drop this. Not that I would ever harm any woman, any one of anything like that. But it was that alienation that I had to work on. So to counter that, I got into fields that required me with, to be in more social interactions, which helped out a lot, helped out immensely. And even though I'd be in front of crowds of people and that kind of thing, I preferred being by myself. But the people never knew it. What I'm getting at too is this. I got no thrill out of rejecting women. There was no high for me. There was no dopamine rush. None of that. 
It was just like going into the bathroom, sitting on the toilet. I was totally indifferent to it. Some people actually get a rush out of rejecting people. It makes them feel better. It makes them feel as though they have in some way conquered life. At least their emotional aspects of life. I can control how other people feel. And they love that. And they love to throw it in the faces of the people that they've done that to. You have some women that are like that. Now, also with rejection, we have to understand that it comes in different forms. You could be in a relationship, you can make it through the initial stages and not get rejected. And then you get ready to go to the bed with this person to have sex with them. And they're already conscious about their body. They might have body dysmorphia. And you may fill in the blanks for their insecurity by saying, oh man, look at your body. What the hell happened to you? But here's the problem. People use that rejection, criticism, as a form of control. Because the rejection can also come in that form of criticism to control that person's feelings, to make them feel less than. Ladies, let me give you an example. Let's take for instance, you choose a guy. It's your choice. You really like this guy. He's kind of He may not feel as though he deserves you, right off the bat. And what he's looking at is, she has the potential of being with someone else at any time. Secondly, I gotta jump through hoops to keep her. I gotta make a lot of money to keep her. And you're trying to reassure him that, hey, you don't have to do all that, I really like you. You don't have to go through all those hoops. So you're dealing with someone who's starting out with an inferiority complex, not based on what you've told them, but based on their perception of what it would take to be with you. And so at this point, he's thinking, well, I got to isolate her because there's going to be a whole bunch of dudes trying to talk to her. How can I keep her in a way that I don't have to worry about her? messing around on me. Oh, I got it. I'll get her pregnant and get her fat. You have some guys that will go with that strategy. And you, as the woman, you're like, okay, I've had my fun. I've dated a lot of guys. And he's talking about having a baby. And you're thinking of it from the standpoint, that'll be cool. That'll be a bonding thing. We're together now. Yeah, why not start a family? might be starting it kind of early, but why not? You have the baby. Now, if he has the child, he's going to look at ways of controlling. 
Now, this is not with all relationships. This is when you get with an insecure man with an inferiority complex who does not feel as though they deserve you, ladies. So what happens? He's got to criticize you about your body. Oh, damn, you got stretch marks. You're fat. What he's doing now, he's trying to lower your self-esteem because it only takes you a couple of times in the gym in order to get back where you were. You still pose a threat. He has an anchor being a baby. So he doesn't have to worry so much about you leaving him because you're going to want to keep that family together. So he led you on just enough in order to hook you. But see, what he has to do now is to figure out how to transfer his insecurities onto you so that you will self-police. And so the way he does that, he starts with your body. And then he's going to start with your mind. And then he's going to start with your emotions. And once he has you in those three stages, he's got you. Now, why is he starting with the body? You remember I told you in the initial stages when a man tries to appeal to you ladies, he's got to appeal to your mind first, your heart second, and your, and your vagina third? Well, it's the opposite when this person is trying to tear you down. They're going to take your vagina out of the mix. Then they're going to take your emotions out of it. And then, of course... That cerebral connection. So in other words, what they're going to do is quit having sex with you first based on your body. That's going to be the excuse. And then after that, on the emotional level, they're going to find flaws in you. They're not going to give you the attention anymore. The very thing you enjoyed when you first got with a guy who was insecure like that. Because he was giving you all that attention. The reason being, he was afraid of losing you. You were looking for love with this man. He's allowing his insecurities to overwhelm the whole relationship. Now cerebrally, he's got to take the logic out of your thinking. So that you will wind up self-policing in that box of a relationship you have. So how does he do this? By accusing you of cheating to modify your behavior. Accusing you of trying to leave him and to isolate you. And so by doing that, what he's done now, he's controlled who has access to you. And he's trying to get to control your belief structure. Now he has you at his level. And what are you doing throughout this whole process? You're giving up your standards. As you go along into this relationship, you're luring them. And that's how he's transferring his insecurities onto you to hold you back. That's how it works. More in a moment, folks. All right, now. Let's turn this around and let's talk about the woman who is rejected by the man and 
this woman wanted this man so badly. She's willing to do almost anything for him. And this guy sees this and he says, um, we'll be friends. And he'll probably call her little sis. This is my play daughter. This is my niece. In other words, he has to marginalize her role and her impact and importance in his romantic life. Now, even though he's thinking, yeah, I should be a good friend, should just be somebody to hang around. She's thinking, uh, you rejected me as being a girlfriend. That ain't gonna happen. I'm gonna be more persistent than you think. So the first thing that women usually do in situations like these, now they have all the choices in the world of the men they want, but guess what they do? If she picks him out and she's singularly focused on him, that's all she wants. He is it. He's the focal point. And so this guy may think, hey, you know, I'm looking for another girl that's like this or that. I don't have any emotional or physical connection with this girl that's trying to go for me. Now, she's going to try for him sexually. She may try to interact with him and try to match with with him as far as intellectually in order to show that she's smart. Look at me, look at me. Looking for that attention, that affirmation. Well, he sees it, but he's like, oh, okay, whatever. And so what she does, then she becomes very dutiful. Yeah, you have a birthday party coming up, and we're going to set up a birthday party for you. Don't you worry about a thing. I'm getting in touch with all your friends. She takes charge of situations and things that would, quote, unquote, impress him in a way to maybe consider her for a girlfriend. But he's really not into her. And she kind of knows this, but she doesn't want to admit it. So, they go on. And he lets her go on and organize his birthday party or whatever. And she does a splendid job and he thanks her. And at that party, she's going to act like she's a cat's meow with him. She's going to be all under him. She's going to be wanting him. She's going to, in some cases, even speak on his behalf. And, of course, she's going to make it known that she's really into him. So the other women would have to be worried, even the woman that he's really interested in, who is not the one that's interested in him. Now, at this point, she realizes she's in competition with that other woman, so she has to step up her game. Well, he may be in the process of still going through the dating phase before they get to being exclusive, before they get to sex or anything else. So he's still on training wheels in that aspect of the relationship. So what happens? It gets to a point where she decides, okay, I'm going to give him some pussy. 
that's going to win them over. And so, he may try to reject. Some guys do reject, but most don't. And they do what is called a mercy fuck. Many of you ladies have done this. Many men do this. You're having sex with someone that you really don't want to have sex with, but you're doing it out of pity for them. Now, you can't look. If you are receiving a mercy fuck, you feel bad about yourself afterwards. I remember I had one in my life. It was a female friend I knew. And for a period there, I was getting dissed by women left and right. And she called me up one night. She said, what you doing? I said, no, I'm ready to go out. And she's like, you know, those women have been brutal on you. They've been dissing you. And I'm like, yeah. All the single girls were dissing me. It seems like the only one I was getting was either they were married or in a relationship. Those were the only ones that were interested in me for a while there, for a period few months stretch she said no well here's what I want you to do just chill take a shower I'll be over she came over we went straight to the bedroom and she tells me well you know I know tension had built up and you hadn't been with a woman in a while and I know you needed some of this I needed some so and I was like, damn. And this is when she told me. She said, yeah. She said, this is a mercy fuck for both of us. And I was like, well, what is that? She's like, it's like when you have a friend of the opposite sex. And even though you two don't get along as far as a relationship, we kind of acknowledge your needs. I said, hmm. And then I started thinking it was like a friends with benefits. And she said, no, this is not like an ongoing thing. This is just one of those things where you may need that little help at that time. So that stuck with me. And Jennifer, if you're listening, there you go. All right, now, here's the thing. The problem is this. She'll go and sleep with them. But then she thinks she has equity. He's thinking, oh, I just had to do this to just shut her up or the opportunity just rolls and boom, 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 boom. Now, at this point, she has leverage to go back to the woman that he's dealing with, that he's trying to get with, and tell her, well, I don't even know why you're trying. It's not going to work. Uh, he and I together because the goal is at this point is to transfer everything that she's feeling onto this other woman so she'll drop out so she can isolate him and then after that she can shame him if she wants to to get into the relationship with her she got to lie to him and say she's pregnant she has so many options to corner him. She go on her Facebook page after taking a picture with him 
put it on a Facebook page, and then make a friend request to all of his friends. And so they'll be asking questions. Hey, I see you got a new girl. Yeah, but uh, what are you talking about? Then, of course, he's trying to scramble to get her to take the picture down off her profile, and she's not doing it. She changes her status in a relationship with... And there you go. That's what you're dealing with. Rejection runs deep, deep for some people. Very deep. And they don't care what depth they have to go through. They're like a submarine emotionally. They'll go to the bottom of the ocean to feel better. That's just the way it is. I wish there was a better recourse, but there's not. Now, you have other people that handle rejection differently. Let's say you're in a relationship and you're having to break up with your partner. <laughs> and your partner is not going to accept you breaking up with them. Oh no, we need to talk. No, I'm giving you all of the opportunities for us to work this out. I don't think we need to talk. Oh yes, we do. I'm not giving up on you. When you hear those words, I'm not giving up on you. You are mine. I can't live without you. You're not going anywhere without me. All of those are terminal assertions. Don't take them lightly because you don't know how emotional this person is. So, the best way sometimes for them to handle rejection and for you to come out safe, cut off the communication, make sure they can never access you again. And when I say ghosting, I'm talking about ghosting in the virtual and the physical world. And it's a process that you got to work your way up to. Because if they still have access to you, they're going to use that avenue. And this is only for people who have a serious issue with rejection. Now, the other thing too. They're going to beg. They're going to try to still be your friend. They're going to try to see if they can work something out where they can still see you in some kind of way. They will even reduce the relationship and I've had this proposed to me by a woman. She told me one time, this one lady that was that was breaking up with, she says, well, could I at least suck your dick? At least I could do that for you. And I was like, no. We're done. Well, you could do anything you want. Fuck me in the ass, blah, blah, blah. She was going on and on. I said, no. Mm-mm, it's done. And the reason why we were breaking up was because she was one of these individuals that would go out and lie on other people. And then she would come back like she's the victim to me. And they wanted me to help cover her. 
because she would say things about people that was not true and she would have never responsible. This one time it almost caused me to have an almost caused me to have an altercation with a gentleman because she had lied on this man's wife about something that she didn't have to. But she was one of those people that was very good when it came down to public relations as far as being friends with everyone. But when it came down to those people that she really didn't like, she had that element in her personality. It was brought to my attention one time at a party. A lady who knew her very well that she did not want me to ever talk to was over there by the uh, bar one evening. And she says, um, you don't know what you signed up for with her. And I was like, what do you mean? She says, I'm not going to spoil your fantasy. You'll figure it out. You're going to figure it out soon enough. She told me, don't let her burn your bridges. Once she found out, the girl found out that I had spoken to this woman because she had saw us, I got a lecture. You don't talk to her. She's that, she's that, she was a whore. She was going, she went, told all, told me all these things about this woman. And I said, well, it seems like if she was a whore, she would have told me she was a whore. Just stay away from her. And she had a few words with her. Didn't make a scene, no. But that woman was absolutely right about her. We got ready to go our separate ways. I was the only person that half ass stuck in a corner because she had burned the bridges with all her friends. And then when I realized everything she told me was a lie, I didn't have nothing to do with her. And she begged and she cried and she begged. I'm gonna contact your family members on Facebook. Go oh, no the hell you won't. <laughs> Locked her where she couldn't.
one thing that separates the genders usually, not always, when it comes down to this rejection thing, and they're trying to make good with that person that rejected them. Men may use money in order to try to get them to reconsider. You know, let's be friends, let me take you to dinner. Uh, no, that's okay. No, 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 no. Let me take you to dinner. When is your birthday? They're trying desperately to get into that person's life some kind of way. Then you have the woman. And she will probably go for sex. It's not uncommon for this to happen. The guy rejected her, but she's into this guy. And she goes and has sex with him. And that gives her a little equity where she feels as though, well, I got access to him. Well, a lot of times men will take advantage of this, just like women will take advantage of a man if he's willing to buy her things, send her on trips. There's some guys out there that would literally send a woman on a trip with her girlfriends to Jamaica or somewhere just so that he could have access to her, even though she rejected him already. Because again, the guy has an inferiority complex. Well, there's some women out there that will go and do things for men just so that they can still have that access based on an inferiority complex. So, your girl, I want to have a threesome. Go get your girlfriend and let's have a threesome. Okay, I got a friend of mine I can get. They go have a threesome, but then in that way, even though she was rejected. She feels like she has a part of something. And so, she's going to try to make sure that that friendship that she has solidified with that other woman maintains, because without that other woman, she probably doesn't have the wherewithals in order to sustain what little relationship she'll have with this guy who rejected her. Again, these people are yielding their power to someone else based on that inferiority complex. See, low self-esteem will always keep you at a disadvantage. And the reason being, you're always trying to feed that monster. And rejection pours gasoline on that inferiority complex. And it makes it that much more intense. Now, when a person is rejected, some people, of course we've discussed, they have an adversarial approach to rejection. You have others that have a complicit approach to rejection. You rejected me, but could I at least be your friend? Some guys will go and do this and 
when here's the thing, fellas, let me tell you something. When you have to ask a woman to be her friend after she rejected you, you are extending the power of your inferiority complex to her. Because what she's looking at at that point, oh my God, he really doesn't think much of himself. I rejected him. And now he's begging to be my friend. Because the way they look at it is not asking, it's begging. Now, what would be a better approach? All right, looks like we have to be friends then. And in this way, what you've done, you've taken control over the situation and told her what she's going to be to you, even though she rejected you. And then she'll probably be, oh yeah, we could be friends. Now, being that you initiated that and she hadn't caught on that you've actually changed the game, what that means then is that if you don't contact her, she may feel some kind of way because she's like, wait a minute, I rejected him for a relationship and he told me we were going to be friends and I haven't heard from him. This is the reason why guys do that. It's an old trick I used to do way back in the day. And what I would always get, the woman called because I played on her ego. And she would always call me, thought we were friends. Hey, you know, you said that four months ago. You haven't called me one time. I'm pissed at you. Hey, how you doing? Some friend you are, you never called me back, blah, 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 blah. That's the way I turned it around. And it worked rather frequently. But coming in there, can we be friends? <laughs> yeah, you're on your knees. And she has a sword debating whether or not to decapitate you or not. Another thing, too, is this. If she designates you as a friend, this is what you have to concern yourself with as a man. She's put you in a special category. When a woman classifies a man as a friend, it's usually platonic. She doesn't have any interest whatsoever sexually in being with you. And being that she's designated you as a friend, your chances are very slim that you would ever get a chance to be romantic with her. She uses that to her advantage. So now that she's positioned you in that position, the only thing you could be is a three o'clock guy or a six o'clock guy. The three o'clock guy, for you folks that don't know, is the gopher. That's the guy she doesn't respect, but she feels as though this guy probably went through special ed in high school or something like that, so she treats him a little bit um, on a patronizing inferior basis. She would never sleep with him. She would never sleep with the six o'clock guy. The six o'clock guy is the party guy. This is the guy that she'll call her girlfriends up and say, hey, you know what? I'm going to talk to him and see if we can uh, get him to pay for drinks tonight and we all go out to the club or we go out to the restaurant. That's his sole purpose for her. The reason why she wants to take out her girlfriends with her is so that she doesn't have to be 
involved with him on a one-on-one conversation where he's going to try to advance the argument for him to be with her. She rejected the guy in order to increase her value to him. People do this all the time. See, if they would be in a relationship with you, that means that you would have to be of equal value with that person. So, some people with low self-esteem who reject people, what they may do is reject them deliberately so that they could devalue that person and make them more valuable than the person that's trying to pursue them. So in that way, they can call the shots and they get the best of the best. That's another old sleight of hand trick that people do. Women use it more so than men. I'll demote him to just being a friend. And I'll make the demand of him to take me and my girlfriends out because he's still trying to get to me. And my girlfriends will just go and uh, <laughs> cop block. Plain and simple. Get around little feelings. That's it. Now, another reality about rejection that we have to come to grips with is the reaction of the person who's been rejected. The scope of reactions. And depending on how well you know that person, it will dictate the environment, the circumstances, and the reason for the rejection. It's always harder if you've been in a relationship with someone to reject them to end the relationship. Because ending a relationship is a form of rejection. Sometimes we only think of it as maybe not getting involved in a relationship, rejecting a guy because he's this or not that. But it also comes down to ending a relationship. And you have to be very sensitive about that because some people may take it the wrong way. If you break up the wrong way, you're breaking break up in the wrong environment. I'll never forget one time a lady I knew had been with this guy for ten years. They had lived together for ten years. They had I think one or two kids, I forgot how many. And the relationship went nowhere. Nowhere. And she was ready to end it. So what she chose to do, she talked to his mother. And the mother invited them over for dinner. And what she allowed to have happen was the mother to have the framework laid for her. She and the mom had already talked about this. And pretty much mom wanted her son back. Didn't think he should be living in sin, etc. He was heavy into the church. And so my friend used that to her advantage. So the mom started the conversation about morality. He didn't want to hear it. And then this girl, my friend, told him, you need to listen to your mom. And then she came in with her side of the argument. 
about how uncomfortable she was. Now, it depends on what works for you. A lot of people don't like like incorporating other people into their relationship. But she was not too confident that this gentleman wouldn't get violent. Being his, his mother was there to buffer the situation, made it much easier. And she was able to go on and end the relationship. He wasn't mad. And he started to realize that he held up her life and his life. And he actually did better after they had split up. He went back to college, got him a better job, bought him a brand new car, he moved back in with mom, and started putting his life together. She took, my friend took the kids, and she finally moved on. But what she was telling me was that she loved him, but there was no growth in the family. There was no growth in the relationship. And she saw that he was stunted and she was stunted. And the best solution for them was to go apart. And when they did, they both grew up. But while they were together, they canceled each other out. Sometimes it's like that. See, just because you want something doesn't mean it's good for you. It just means you want it. Rarely do we go for what we need. I would always go for what I needed first. And if it just so happened there was something I wanted, that's secondary. But we'd have to go for what we want. That could be problematic at times. Now, There's another aspect of rejection that sometimes we overlook, besides the breakups. That online rejection, and that's what we're going to talk about next, in the next segment. Online rejection is the most common frontline rejection you'll ever get. And be thankful that you have that you have, excuse me, that you have online resources for that rejection. See, it used to be, for those of you who don't know, back in the day, you had to go meet your girl, and then you sit there, and the girl would meet the fella, and then they would say, we need to talk. And boy, when you heard that, you knew you were in trouble, right? You were getting called to the principal's office. And then they would tell you what you did wrong. And then they would just go on. And they would end it. And that was a tough call because you had to deal with that. You had to deal with the emotional baggage from it. Now it's much easier. We're going to talk about that in this coming segment.
let's talk about the benefits and drawbacks of being rejected online. The benefit is, it's quick. You don't know this person personally, and therefore, they're nothing more than just an avatar. So you're not really missing anything. And this is where you need to disengage your personal feelings, because there are no tangible links between the two of Now, here's the deal. It's a different scenario if you've met this person or knew this person and they do this. So take for instance, you guys have been dating and then they break up with the online and ghost you. Yeah, it stings, it hurts, it burns. Let it go. Don't pursue it. Folks, if someone rejects you, let it go immediately. That's when you're starting to heal. The minute they say, you know what, this is not working out, we need to go our separate ways. Fine, and move on. But here's the thing, and this is what most of you mess up. The person wants to come back. They want to try again. No. Mm-mm. You can ask them certain questions like, are you sure about this? Yes, why? Because you're not coming back. This is it, this is final. I don't care. Then a couple of days later, they're back. Mm-mm. Now, something else I would tell you. Some people deliberately break up like this in order to reestablish power. See, they might feel as though they don't have as much power and influence in the relationship as it is. So, they would want to break up. Knowing that if they did that, you're begging them to come back, or you're feeling as though you'd like to talk to them about things. This is why a lot of people don't allow you to have closure, is so they can leave that door open. So when they come back, they can reassert themselves and make demands and position themselves a little bit better in the relationship. This is the reason why I don't do retreads. If we break up, we're not getting back together ever again. We'll be friends, but we'll never be lovers. Now, here's the thing too. When you tell someone this, going into a relationship about your breakup policy, you'd be surprised how many people with either bailout in the beginning or understand that if they sign up, they're going to do their best to stay in it. It's like joining a membership club and you're afraid of getting kicked out. You don't want that to happen. Now, um, other things with this. You may ask a person out for a date too soon. Anything earlier than two weeks, expect rejection. If you ask for a woman's phone number online within the first week to two weeks, expect rejection. If you expect them to go to another dating site or some other app in order to communicate, expect rejection. These are all 
micro rejections. Now, if there's something that that person rejected that you suggested, take for instance certain sexual activities in the bedroom, and they say, no, I'm not into that. Understand that they're more than likely not going to change their mind. And if they have to lower their standards later on because you badgered them to do it, you're going to be blamed for them dropping those standards. And they're going to classify you as being toxic, even though they were the ones that dropped the standards, not you. They could have easily ended the relationship, but they steadily preferred to go on with it. So you have some people that go in relationships and drop these standards, boundaries, and rules in order to accommodate their partner, or they will have guilt that they could always throw at the partner as a justification. So they do that. They don't want to be responsible for lowering their own standards. So they blame you for it. And it's their leverage. Understand that. That's important. And the reason why I say it's important, I'll give you an example. There was a lady by the name of Ruby that wrote in. Ruby is 61 years old. With a name like that, you know she's going to be up in age a bit. Well, the gentleman she's seeing is 28. And this guy's in the ass eating and that kind of thing. Well, he wanted to eat her ass. And she thought it was gross and it was horrible and deplorable. Well, she lowered her standards and allowed him to do it. She liked it. She felt guilty that her standards were lowered. However, she had difficulty reciprocating. He didn't ask for that, but she felt as though we were in a relationship, so she would have to do it with him. So she went on and did it with him, but she wrote me because she said that she has a problem looking at herself in the mirror now because she allowed herself to lower her standards to that level. And she was mad at him for introducing the idea and making it a condition for her and him to be together. But see, what you have to remember is this. And like I explained to her, you always had the option of saying no and if he couldn't comply to leave the relationship. You chose not to because you were comfortable. You liked more of the assets associated with the relationship than the liabilities of it. So you chose to stay. Even though this condition is a compromise that you made, you have to ask yourself, would you apply the same commitment to someone else in another relationship if you were to get into another one and not this one, doing the same thing? And she said, no. I said, okay, if that's the case, then you still have your boundaries and your morals set. With this individual relationship, you have stretched them, but now they can go back into place with someone new. 
the problem most people have is that they will go lower those standards and those boundaries and keep them down there so anyone else that comes in their lives are at that same place. But now, personally, I think Ruby's full of shit. And I wrote and told her that because she liked what he was doing to her. Nine times out of ten, if she got in another relationship, she would ask the guy to do the same thing because he introduced her into something new. Now, she might have a caveat that she's not going to do it to him, to the other guy. But this was something that was not really popular in her era, but now it's popular with the younger folks. Folks, one thing I will tell you about boundaries, some of them will have to be flexible. Others, uh-uh. And the reason why you have those boundaries is for a reason. It's to protect your integrity, your dignity. Most people have these boundaries and they're rigid. Nothing's wrong with that. They should be. But they can flex a bit because it depends on the situation that you're willing to tolerate and accept. The goal is whatever you do, not to give 50% of yourself to any kind of compromise. 50% and over, you're done, you're lost. The max you should give is about 25. What does this mean? This means you can look in the mirror and take all the compromises you've made in order for that relationship to work and still feel good and proud of yourself and still can identify with who you were before you got into that relationship. When you look in the mirror and you no longer can identify any of the things that you stood for before you got in that relationship, you've gone too far. The church girl that starts out with the guy who's a drug abuser. Then a year down the road, she's doing drugs, something she never done before. She's been in jail, something she's never done before. She's slept with other women, something she's never done before. She slept with people for drugs, something she had never done before. And so she looks in the mirror one year later and realizes one year before that, when she had her standards in place, she didn't involve herself in any of those activities and she had a better perspective of herself. But now that she's in this other place, this sunken place, she has a different perspective of herself. And she'll put that towel over the mirror as opposed to looking in it. Because she knows good and well she can't look at herself anymore in the same light. And sometimes we go so far off the mark that we try to get back on track. And we, for some reason, can never get that traction. Can never get back to where we need to be. Or we can never function again properly. It happens a lot more often than people think. And so, 
If you have to get involved in something to fit in, to avoid rejection, it's not a good thing. You should be able to be yourself and people should either accept you or not accept you. There's nothing wrong with that. So don't get so caught up in it. Now, when we talk about race, people are rejected because of race. Some people are rejected because of characteristics associated with their race and not even anything that has to do with you physically. It could be an association of, well, you know, every time I look at the news, I see black people robbing and crime and all this other stuff and the statistics of black people being in prison. And even though this is a separate individual from the whole quote-unquote black experience of black community, that person is judged by all of those other people and their behavior and activity. And so the perception of a black person may be commonly to say, oh, that person's racist because they don't want to date me because I'm black. And it's not that at all. They could be attracted to you, but it's what's associated with you indirectly that they have a problem with. It's just like some black folks who will not date a white person because of things such as the Klan, white supremacy, and all those things that are associated with them, the bigger political picture. It has nothing to do with the individual themselves. That guilt by association thing is a problem. Others may not like your physical characteristics as a black person or as a white person or any other race of person. They may have a preference. No, I want somebody with blonde hair, blue eyes. No, I don't want, I don't don't care if she's African-American. I don't want somebody with a weave. I want somebody with naturally blonde hair. And they discriminate on that basis. And yet the minority say, you should accept me because I'm entitled. And you're not. Nobody's entitled. Sometimes we play that role. Not only minorities, whites, and everybody else. Because we conflate personal freedoms with preferences. And we have to understand you can't legislate a person's feelings. You just can't. And sometimes we try to extend the law in places where it doesn't belong. Sometimes we try to place ourselves in places we don't belong. Doesn't matter what race you are. I'll put it to you this way. You think a a gay white male would be okay in a redneck bar in the South? Probably not. So we don't think about that sometimes. We just think in colors, like children. We have to think beyond that. Now, Let's think about things for a moment. The rejection we experience associated with race, we'd love to equivocate that with things that are happening in the social dynamic. We look at slavery, all the rest of these other things. But there are various aspects as to why people discriminate against people in general. 
they may have some criteria. Like for instance, I was looking on OkCupid. There are people that are discriminated by eye color. There are people that are discriminated by height, geographic location. And if you have the the majority group that are white that are on there, of course, you're going to have fewer of them to select minorities in general. That's just the way it goes. 86% of people on average wind up being with people of their own race. So you see, you don't have that many people that don't about 14% that date interracially. So with that in the framework, they want to, you got people that want to increase that number. But what we have to understand is this, that's going to be about the norm for a very long time because people find comfort in being around people that look like them, think like them, feel like them, have that background like them. And the reason for this and the reason why the transition is taking so slow in America is because you did have slavery in the past. And so there's this lethargic lethargic push towards integration, familial integration. And that's going to take a very long time. See, we just barely, out of the last, what, 60 years, got the social immigration, integration. You got to remember, it's been a transition where black people were recognized as humans, allowed to integrate in society in general. And this is a very slow process because America handled race relations totally wrong from day one. And we're suffering the consequences of it today. Federal government handled it wrong all the way down to the states. But this is what we deal with. And so... You go on some of these interracial dating sites and you have African-American women, skin bleach, they have the contact lenses, they have the blonde hair, and they classify themselves as Caucasian woman in the hopes of getting a black man who's looking for a white woman. And it's really odd sometimes. I remember one time a lady contacted me and said she was white. And it was only obvious she was African American on this Afro romance dating site. And so we started chatting. And then I looked at the profile and I said, Why don't you put down that you were white when it's only obvious you're African American just like I am? I'm black. And she says, well, I would not have been searched for that much. And I asked her, I said, well, what happens when you meet someone who has an expectation of you being a white female? She says, well, that's the mystery until they meet me. And I said, so how's that been working out for you? She says, oh, they're jerks. 
And I was like, well, did you ever consider the deception that you're perpetrating? What deception? That told me everything I need to know. So what she did was she used her delusion in order to try to find someone who's going to accept it. And even on these interracial dating sites, you have people that are racist on there. They're color struck. Even some of the white women prefer a lighter black male. In other words, the retail black man. If you notice in your movies and cinema, television, what have they done with the dark black male? They feminized him. They have made him either gay or they made him a buffoon. To make him less intimidating and more tolerable as a stereotypical caricature that is in some way represented on the screen, but not necessarily in a positive way. So who are the guys that they really like to promote? Fair-skinned men, fair-skinned black women, where most of the black women in film, on television. They're in roles of ignorance they're in other roles that really aren't becoming and I know some of you are going to say well what about Viola Davis she's the exception and not the rule for that I can say what about Cicely Tyson and how she was limited in some of the films that she was in as the roles a lot of other actresses that were dark skinned that did not get the opportunity a lot of light-skinned artists still get today. Especially if they're biracial. Because we're still in the era of the retail black. That person that mainstream society won't be offended by. I equivocate that to in the old south when the master would have his guest over and not to offend his southern guest he didn't want to have that real dark black person coming in there with the coarse hair to serve the food instead he wanted a more honey-colored black person to come there and serve the food as to not be so embarrassing. See, what a lot of people don't realize, this whole phobia about dark skin, it comes from that era. Because in some circles in the South, the dark-skinned person could not be trusted by the white slave owner. He was up to something evil. He was cursed. 
God made him black with coarse hair for a reason, because he had done something wrong. A lot of them honestly believe that. And that person that was not so dark was looked upon as someone that was better, smarter, and therefore they didn't mind that person serving the guests. And the mammy and all the dark-skinned people, they prepared the food. Now, when they wanted entertainment, oh yeah, they'd have that dark-skinned kid come out there and play that banjo and that harmonica, because they were entertainment. When they'd have boxing matches and things like that between the plantations, my slave can beat your slave. Oh, really? Yes, they can. And they'd make a wager. And nine times out of ten, those slaves are going to be dark-skinned. Because colorism started there. And now it's perpetrated into the thick of our society. On interracial dating sites now, they could even select how dark you are as far as whether or not they would be interested in you. You know, it's crazy. You read some of the ads Big Black Bull Wanted, BBC, Big Black Cock. Queen of Spades looking for the BBC. For those of you who don't know, Queen of Spades is a white woman who may be married more than likely. She carries a tattoo on her body, if not several, of the Ace of Spades. She shows this to a black man to let him know that she's into black men. In the South, way back during the, that period of slavery, Certain women would have certain indicators about having sex with slaves. It wasn't like it is today where it was widespread. See, there are a lot of things that are left out of the history books, but when you go through some of the journals, and read about some of the parties that they've had in some of these old journals that these people find from relatives that were in the Civil War. And they talk about having parties where all of the wives and widows of these soldiers would get together once in a while at a small gathering. Talk about the frolicking and fun they would have. They don't talk about those things. Or how the majority of these old southern women who could not bear any more children didn't have to worry about getting pregnant wound up fucking their slaves. They don't talk about that either. Because 
the Daughters of the Confederacy, when they put this together, they wanted to whitewash everything in the South like they were this benevolent group of people looking over black folks doing God's work. They don't talk about the abolitionist women that wanted to save these slaves, but fucked them as well. They don't talk about those things. Nor the women who had fetishes of fucking black men. And you have to remember, what do a black man or a black woman during that time? You were still being raped. Even if you voluntarily and consensually had sex with them, you didn't have rights. It is the same thing that we have right now with inmates. Like if a CO sleeps with a prisoner, that's rape. Because they don't have any rights. See, we don't think about that. We think just because he's a man that, oh, he's fucking that white woman. But during that time, they try to classify it as rape if a black man screwed a white woman, but in actuality, she had rights he didn't. She had more rights than he did. Now, true enough, she was looked upon as a human being and a person. A black man wasn't even that back then. These are things that we don't really think about, but when we put things in the context of everything and start looking past the public relations of all this bullshit that they had tried to throw down our throats for years. The very thing that's going on now happened during slavery, happened well before slavery, happened before then. And every civilization that's ever existed had components of everything we're experiencing today. The only thing that's different is technology. The way people feel, they had whores, they had prostitutes, they had all the debauchery in every civilization. What we'd like to do is to sanitize people of the past. But the truth is, they had to survive just like we do. And after our civilization has gone away with, another generation is going to try to sanitize and say how wonderful it was to be in America in 2021. They're going to make it seem like it was the best thing in the world. Because we always deify people that live before us. Because we want to feel better. And we feel as though there is some payoff. Oh, they were more moral than we were. They were more upstanding and more honorable. We don't know that. We can only make an assumption. From what they wrote from what they left to us. We didn't have video cameras back then. We didn't have audio recordings back then. So what the hell do we know? But one thing we do know is that the human behavior and the human condition doesn't change much, generation after generation. Look, if everything was so moral and so high and upstanding, we wouldn't have prostitutes today. 
we wouldn't have people still abusing themselves. We wouldn't have the dysfunction we have today. Even when I talk about the past, how women used to wear their hair and how people used to be in a situation where black men accepted black women in any condition. True enough, that was the case. But there were also black men that didn't like black women. So let's get it straight. There was no unified, sanctified portion of our society at any given time or any civilization. That's the utopia we have in our heads, not the utopia that actually exists. Thank you for listening, folks. I'm out. Romantic Truth would like to take this opportunity and applaud our listeners and over 40 countries for their support. If you need someone to talk to in regards to help, you may contact the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline at 800-273-8255, available 24 hours. All correspondences read on the show have been pre-screened and pre-approved by the submitter to be aired on the show. The views and opinions of this podcast does not reflect those of Romantic Truth, Anchor, Spotify, or any of its affiliates. The opinions expressed are solely those of the host and guests, and should not be deemed as professional guidance, advice, or a professional practice. In the event you may need professional assistance, contact your local federal, state, or county agencies for specific assistance in social services, family counseling, or mental health services. For all medical, legal, and financial services please contact the appropriate licensed and certified professionals within your region. The music that is provided on this podcast that is not provided by Anchor is used under waiver by Jaws and One Music for fair use. Please be advised that the content of this podcast is under copyright by Romantic Truth and James Adams.